Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. A new head coach and boy genius, Mike McDaniel, the fastest cheetah to ever roam the football field, and an actual left tackle? Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. Before we jump into a fresh episode of Finsider Radio, Jake and Josh want you to please, please, please hit that subscribe button if you haven't yet. Subscribing to the show is the best way to know when Jake and Josh have something cooking in the kitchen. iTunes, Spotify, it doesn't matter. Following helps others find the show, and we want to thank you for that. Now, let's talk some dolphins. Welcome into a brand new Victory Monday episode of SB Nation's Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. And we could not ask for a better start to the week because your Miami Dolphins are officially 1-0 after an impressive 20-7 win over Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. QB1 Tua Tungvalu moves to 4-0 lifetime versus the Pats, but it was Miami's defense that stole the show. But before we get into all that, let me welcome in the greatest co-host in the world, the syrup to my waffle, Jake Mettenauer. Jake, how you doing today, man? Dude, I am some silky syrup, and I am some very happy silky syrup because, man, nothing feels better than a victory Monday. Uh, refreshing day, great all-around performance from fantasy teams, from real-life teams. It's a, it's a very exciting day. How are you holding up over there? Yeah, I mean, like we said in previous pods, I'm in, like, a dozen leagues, so some I win, win some, some I lose. Some. Yeah, so I'm uh, bittersweet and some. And I had Dak in our league, so um, I, I don't know what I'm wow. going to do there. But I was just so thankful. You know, the Dolphins got to win, and then we could just sit back, relax, and watch the rest of the game unfold because week one of the NFL regular season, you know, you don't really know what to expect. It was a hell of a weekend, and uh, that started with the Dolphins. Speaking of things we didn't expect, let's start with a new, a refreshing offense, Josh, because – there are some things to consider here. I mean, the Dolphins scored one touchdown and they were 0 for 2 in the red zone. And all that aside, everyone's kind of praising the Miami Dolphins offense and they're praising everything, you know, Tua accomplished. He completed 69% of his passes, 7.3 yards per attempt. But Josh, I got to ask you, first play of the game and, and after, you know, a preseason where the issues weren't 
obvious or completely horrible or brought up, but that first snap of the game, I was a little terrified that uh, Connor Williams was going to be hucking him all day long. Yeah, that definitely, um, that, that was not the way we wanted to see it start. But ironically enough, um, pro football focus, you know, sent out their highest graded players and there's Connor Williams at the top of the list. So, um, you know, that's some of the things you got to watch on all 22 to see the way he was, you know, protecting inside. But, um, dude, I definitely felt queasy after that. And then the throw, I mean, everyone thought that was tipped at the line. Um, there's all 22 floating around right now where it was not tipped. And if Tua would have, you know, found Tyreek Hill in that first play of the game, that would have been a touchdown and we all have been losing our mind, but instead it short hopped. And I think Barstool and, you know, all the haters out there are tweeting things about, you know, two as a mid mid season form and this and that. Um, but the first snap of the game, man, that was definitely uh, something that had me a little bit Joe Philbin queasy for sure. Yeah. And, and let's kind of stick with the the new guys here, Josh. And I want to ask you because you see games like, like the Bengals, right? You see some offenses around the league. The Rams are another example, like offenses that did not play right in the preseason. So I'm curious what your th- thoughts are. I mean, Teron Armstead missed a little bit of time with an injury. Uh, you just mentioned Connor Williams being the overall uh, top graded performer on the Dolphins. How do you feel about this preseason usage went for the Dolphins in terms of uh, first season under Mike McDaniel because I mean you saw it right away Tyree Kill eight receptions on 12 targets 94 yards you're happy with that 10 times out of 10 and you could still argue there's yards left on the field I mean Jalen Waddle didn't play at all in the preseason and, and we'll talk about the big play in just a second but four re- receptions for 70 yards on five total targets there there wasn't a lot of rust considering that you know this offense really focused on those I think those practices those joint practices more than you know the those preseason games, I think you could really see the impact those had early on because despite the fact they didn't play much in the preseason, things looked pretty crisp. Yeah, you got to agree. And you wonder how much Mike McDaniel, you know, once you take a 10 point lead, isn't just saying, you know, go out there and manage this game to an extent, right? Don't That's make mistakes. They won the turnover battle three to, oh, we'll talk about that later. But um, you saw the offense. I mean, the offensive line wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination, but it seemed much better mm-hmm. than last season. And it gives you reason for hope. Um, Again, Teron Armstead going down, man, that definitely shook me a little bit. Austin Jackson also left the game. So we'll see what they do at right, uh, the right side of the offensive line. I still think maybe you move Robert Hunt to right tackle, bring maybe mm-hmm. Robert Jones at right guard, whatever they decided to do there but um this offense definitely seemed much different you know almost kind of what you might have thought they would have done last year you know we heard how charlie mm-hmm. fry was this you know revolutionary kind of like an up to speed type of coach that was going to bring these new concepts you're seeing that with mike mcdaniel man all that pre-snap motion they were finally using some bootlegs um you know different bunch formations it just seemed so much different you saw tyreek hill going in motion you know running back and forth i mean trying to set up a mismatch and get the short sticks which i mean you have written down here man that was pretty much the name of the game right um run the ball effectively or try to you know pick up some short easy passes I mean I thought Tua played pretty good made a lot of safe throws completed 20 of 33 for 270 yards one touchdown that was ninth in the NFL with a 104.4 percent passer rating and it was the most yards he's ever thrown against New England for whatever that's worth but um you still want to see more from him he had that bad throw into double coverage that should have been picked held onto the ball a few times too long where he should have been sacked but um it's just crazy to me that we're Dolphin fans and we're nitpicking a 20 to 7 opening day win against the New England Patriots when Tua Tungvalu went out there and didn't turn the ball over even though he maybe should have. I don't think for nitpicking as much as I think there you we can honestly say they just won 20 to 7 and, and there's still some room to grow. And I, I don't think there's 
a big leap in that room to grow. I, I think these are things that can be cleaned up throughout the year. And I think that's kind of what makes it more exciting when you can think that Tyree Kill could have been maybe 11 on 13 targets instead of eight for 12. I mean, that's just, we're trying to diagnose where the ceiling could be. And Josh, you mentioned this offense being a little different. Uh, the Dolphins ran five fewer plays than the Patriots, but had five more minutes in time of possession. And that is just so important. And I think that's such an interesting factor where we look at what the Dolphins wanted to do last year. It wasn't this kind of pace where, you know, you could slow the game out. You know, it was get up to the line, throw the ball, get up to the line and throw the ball. But it seemed, Josh, this was a very comfortable unit where they were snapping the ball between, you know, 10 to seven, six seconds left on the playcock every single play. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you got to give credit to the offense because it did sound like there were some communication errors. I know Tua said that, you know, the headsets were down at one point. You don't know what type of backyard style football they were playing at times. You know, maybe that's why some of those drives stalled out. But you mentioned Tyree Kill, man. I am just thankful the way that the Dolphins, I don't want to say force fed him, but early on, man, you could see that game was the game script was going right to him. You know, Tua was looking his way every single time. And at one point, I remember I sat there and said, I posted a picture of Jalen Waddle. Where's where's Waddle? And after mm-hmm. that, man, I mean, he was just everywhere. And um, that fourth and seven play, I mean, we talked about it in a, a couple podcasts, you know, down the road, you know, what was Mike McDaniel's identity going to be going forward on fourth and seven at that point? I mean, that was some big ball stuff. And to convert the way they did, I mean, two had a pinpoint pass there. Jalen Waddle split three defenders. And we talked about Jalen Mills being that the green goblin from Philly and, you know, kind of being that liability. They took advantage of it. And that play was just um, pretty much what took the took the Dolphins, what, 17 nothing lead into the half. And at that point, um, you know, all they had to do was, again, play good defense and run the ball, run the clock and get those first downs. And that's what they did. So um, again, I think we're all nitpicking it because again, it's week one, but you mentioned it, man, you don't come out of the gates firing with a brand new scheme week one. You know, this is a first time head coach, a lot of players that are young and still learning the system. Let's see how this looks two, three games down the road, but um, they got Baltimore this week. So there's not too much time for that growing. And, you know, not to get too far ahead, I'm excited to see uh, how confident a Baltimore team is considering they had to go against Joe Flacco throwing the ball uh, 60 times yesterday. Uh, Josh, going back, one one more thing I want to talk about on this offense is the Dolphins had 15 third downs. And I don't understand if it was just in terms of the clock closing out at the end of the game or at the end of half. Both PFF and ESPN said that the Dolphins were 6 of 14 on third down. I found 15 third downs, which... I I don't care that much, but I just thought it was weird. And basically what I'm trying to get out here of those 15 third downs, I saw roughly half of Miami's third downs were third and short. They were third and more than manageable. Even then they didn't always work out. I think there was one where, you know, Tyree killed (laughs) danced all the way back and forth behind that offensive line, maybe four or five times on a third and one. And it was a, you know, a tackle for a loss of one, I think on the play lit up, I think. Right. And it was like helmet came off and then he had to sit up like the undertaker. I thought, I thought it was bad news when I saw that hit. That that reminded me of the old Dolphins, but but considering the fact, man, eight of their those fifteen third downs, eight were three or less yards, two were between four of six yards, and then five were seven or more yards, and I think they even com- converted two of those uh, five attempts that were more than seven yards. But just hearing those numbers out loud, I'm gonna say it again: eight of Miami's fifteen third downs, more than half of Miami's third downs were three yards or less, and to me. That screams so much more than the fact that the Dolphins were over two of the red zone, uh, one and one on fourth down conversions. The the touchdown was awesome, but considering the fact that Mike McDaniel created an offense where third and manageable was, I guess manageable was a very very bright spot spot for an offensive group. We have not seen that in, in some time. You know, it was the good old fashioned uh, Tannehill incomplete on first. You run it for a loss of one on second to bring up third and eleven where you get sacked. It just felt like the offense. 
despite, you know, an incompletion here, you know, maybe a penalty, it never stopped moving. Yeah, Jake, and you almost feel like uh, Mike McDaniel's kind of like a veteran head coach out there, right? I mean, every head coach the Dolphins have had, you know, over the last decade or whatever, they always come in here and they talk about setting yourself up in those manageable situations, right? You know, being effective on first and second down and setting up those chains so that you can convert a third and one, a third and two. And I mean, uh, again, I, I see a lot of fans talking about Tua's performance, but the way this offense handled things, you know, after going up 10 nothing, again, at, after having their back against the wall for most of the second half, right? I mean, a lot of those drives started deep in their own territory. They were able to move the ball effectively, although I would have liked to see more out of the run game, Jake. I mean, I don't know your thoughts about it. There I mean, it yeah. Chase Edmonds, you could see the explosiveness. You know, he looked quick at times, but they just could not find the rhythm. I think he had 12 carries for 25 yards. I think the Dolphins had, was it 68 yards total? I had it written a different 2.8 yards per carry. Yeah, yeah and I think it was, it was 68 ugly. total yards, you know, rushing. And you just, I guess I didn't expect that from a Mike McDaniel team. And I didn't expect the Dolphins to, I mean, they used a lot of play action, you know, a lot of those boots and things. And they were still able to utilize that. But you need to see more out of that run game. And I think between Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, I mean, you see both those guys and what they can do in the balls in their hands. I mean, run game aside, Chase Edmonds had that one play where he tiptoed, stayed in balance, you know, got that first down. That was incredible. And then Raheem Mostert, you know, I said it twice now differently, right? Raheem Mostert, you know, he was hung out to dry on one play, slipped away from the defender, got the first down. So you can see that this backfield's talented, but you want to see more out of that run game moving forward, especially from a Mike McDaniel offense. Chase Edmonds, he helped me. I had a nice little parlay. He had four receptions for 40 yards, and and I think it was a third and seven where he had 11-yard reception where he bounced off a tackle. And and going back to Mostert, his 11-yard run, he got clobbered one play. It looked like he got nailed right on the knee, and he just kind of bounced. The guy bounced right off of him. I was scared to death that he was going to get hurt, but but it was incredible. Uh, are you concerned about these running backs? You look at that 2.8 yards per carry because – I don't really think I am. I think both of those guys looked healthy. They looked like the player we expect. And I do think that Bill Belichick defense uh, is going to do what they can to take away those, you know, five yards uh, from the line of scrimmage more, more than anything else. So, I mean, I can see them maybe getting up there and pulling hopefully a little bit higher than 2.8 yards per carry. I'm not going to say they're going to jump up and be a top 10 rushing group, but I, I don't know if this is a, a sign of concern for this running group just yet. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think I had the number wrong. They had 65 yards on 23 total rushing plays for, like you said, 2.8 yards per carry. But again, I mean, I think what I like so much was that the Dolphins kept trying to run the football, right? I yep. mean, so many times you see, and again, the game dictated this, right? They had the lead. They were going to run the clock either way, but mm -hmm. it seemed like in the second half, they were running the ball more effectively. But again, when you look at the numbers, I mean, that's just not the case. But overall, man, I loved what I saw to this offense. You can see the pieces being built, you know, laying down the foundation for this thing to be taken to the next level. I just cannot wait for it to all come together. And um, again, I hope it's sooner or later. But another thing we have to mention, I don't even know if it's, we had it written down, Jake. Forgive me for, you know, being scatterbrained, but Mike Kosicki only had one catch yep. for two yards. I mean, you could see how out of place he is in this offense. Um, you know, we hope to see something out of him, but I just don't know, man. I just don't know at what point this season they'll be able to maximize his trade value or what point he's going to be able to come in there and be effective. Because, again, he just he just looked lost and out of place, to be honest. After he had his one reception and he was tackled. I think you're giving him the benefit of the doubt with two yards. I think it might've even only been one yard. <laughs> the face he made after that too. You could just tell he's like, hello, darkness, my old friend. Like, get me that, get me out of here, please. Obviously we aren't in his head, but he looked like someone who, who knew like he didn't know how many targets he was going to get. And he did not make the most of the opportunity given to him. You know, I saw him in motion move and, and kind of get blown up on a block uh, during a run play. And, and 
I still think there's going to be a couple weeks where he's just completely forgotten about. Uh, everyone's still focused on Tyreek Hill, and now you see what they're going to do with Waddle. I still think there's going to be an opportunity to get him involved. Uh, but yeah, man, it, it's concerning, and and you can sense his frustration, and you and you do feel bad from him. Uh, even if the offense is having fun, it's it's more fun when he's out there with them. Uh, one more note on the offense, Josh. What are your thoughts on Cedric Wilson? He was in the backfield a little bit, working in the slot. He made plays when the ball was delivered to him. I, I kind of liked how he was used in different ways instead of just that, you know, uh, lining up in the slot 80% of the time, whatever it may be. I think it was even closer to 90%. Yeah, I, the play that stands out to me was when he was like five yards almost in the backfield, right? He came around and looped behind Tua in like a, a motion and Tua threw like a dart at him and almost it kind of felt like a quick way of getting a halfback toss right to the outside, getting that speed around the edge. I think he picked up a first down there. So a lot of creativity there. I'm interested to see the way that leaks down to some of these other guys. I mean, Eric Ezekoma is eventually going to come into the mix here. Tyreek Hill, I mean, you saw again the way they utilized him and Jalen Waddle. Um, I mean, I liked what I saw of this offense, especially the wide receivers. And again, could not be more excited for what's in store for this team. Let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about the Dolphins defense that held the New England Patriots to seven points and ultimately helped us get the victory. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And while we spoke of all the things that have changed in Miami, the one thing that remains the same is that secondary is awesome. Josh, the Patriots turned the ball over three times, and Brandon Jones, Javon Holland, those were two guys playing with their hair on absolute fire. And on top of that, uh, Javon Holland was hiding his uh, fire underneath the cowboy hat. So tell me, man, what you see out of the secondary? I'm going to be honest, man. That first drive had me a little bit shaky. I remember I was looking at my my wife and I said something about, you know, oh, this because I think the commentators mentioned, you know, this is we're seeing what this Dolphins defense looks like without Brian Flores. And they were getting gashed in a run game, you know, gashed um, and short intermediate passes. And then that play just changed everything. Right. I think Mac Jones took a shot. Uh, I think it was Devontae Parker, and uh, you know, one on one with Xavier Howard. Howard went up there, you know, perfect tip. And then Javon Holland swooped out of nowhere, got the pick. And at that point, oh, man, it was all, you know, sunshine and roses for the Dolphins for the most part. They did give up that touchdown, um, which I'm blaming Jalen Phillips on that. He's my boy, but he did not get out to that. Um, he did not get down to cover the flats quick enough. And Ty Montgomery literally rolled into the end zone. I am sure you saw that, Jake. But um, overall, I mean, that secondary look really freaking good. You know, the way they clamped down. Again, I wouldn't say the New England Patriots have a world beater of corners, but you saw Nick Needham making plays. You mentioned Brandon Jones. I mean, is he not a hybrid almost of Rashad Jones and Eric Rowe? I mean, this guy was playing down in the mm-hmm. box, you know, moving around, making hits as a, a safety his blitz off the edge, man, you know, perfectly disguised, perfectly timed, got to Mac Jones, then Melvin Ingram just waltzed into the end zone. So I, I loved what I saw out of this defense. Again, at first I was a little bit um, hesitant and was thinking, oh no, same old Dolphins, but they clamped down and they really made life hell for Mac Jones, who I don't know if you saw after the game, Jake, they wouldn't even let the media speak to him. So they're saying it's an injury, but I think it's just sore feelings. Yeah, he did. There was even you could you heard a uh, Mac Jones f bomb that he swore at Emmanuel Agba on the telecast, so you could tell he was not having a good time. Jones finished with eleven tackles, a sack, forced fumble, and a pass defended. Uh, Javon Howard three tackles, an interception, and a pass defended. Those two men were absolute studs. Uh, 
Xavier and Howard, we can talk for hours about why isn't he a top 10 uh, cornerback in Madden. He really stole Devontae Parker's lunch money for the next month or so. He should uh, be ahead of Jalen Ramsey, right, at this point? You would think, man. And and one of the biggest steals of the weekend, Devontae Parker under 43 and a half passing yard or receiving yards against Xavier and Howard. Give me a break. And, and Josh, I think uh, above all else, one of the biggest surprises in the secondary, Noah Igbenogany inactive and instead we get the rise of darth cater that that was amazing man i mean i let's be honest we admittedly started liking him because his name we could just go right with darth cater yep. at least that's why i started liking him <laughs> but dude this guy is a baller i mean at that hit that he had that forced the fumble i thought that was javon holland or, Bra- or brandon jones coming out in order right. to make that hit i mean that was a big boy hit completely shifted the game and then he also had a play where mac jones was kind of taking his time in the pocket you know trying to get his receivers to direct him downfield and he came over the top and made a nice pass breakup so you definitely felt his presence and again when you have nick noah Ibanogany, your former first round draft pick inactive and you have Darth Cater coming out there making plays like this. I mean, let's be honest, man. We've been waiting for Igbenogany to show us anything that Darth Cater did in what limited snaps. I think he played maybe 18 snaps total. I mean, this guy was just, you felt his presence. And again, for a, a guy, a rookie who's kind of disrespected, had a chip on his shoulder, he went out there and made plays. So I think that says a lot about how good this defense can be, you know, the veteran leadership on there as well. And then what Mike McDaniel and Josh Boyer, who let's be honest, man, tip of your hat to Josh Boyer. Cause he went out there yep. against, um, you know, Bill Belichick, arguably one of the greatest coaches in the history of the world. No, he doesn't have Tom Brady anymore, but Josh Boyer and that defense put the clamps down and made life again, difficult for that other side. And he just fit in, right? He fit in with Brandon Jones. He fit in with Javon Holland. You saw those hits. He looked so comfortable back there. And, you know, another hard-hitting number 20, man. I'll always take that. That's our second Rashad Jones uh, mention of the podcast, and that's always a good thing. Uh, You mentioned, Josh, Melvin Ingram. I thought he had a... He had a tackle for a loss. I think he had a nice tackle in coverage, but he does he count as rumbling and bumbling into the end zone because there was a second, and I'm being greedy here. Um, Christian Wilkins was right there too, and I would have enjoyed seeing a, a rumble and bumble in that sense, having him go into the end zone too. Yeah, we'll count it, right? We'll count it as rumbling and bumbling, but he was impressive, man. I mean, wearing that number six, he sticks out like a sore thumb, but I mean, he was setting the edge. He was getting in the backfield, getting pressure on the quarterback, so... Dude, we talked about on the last pod how the secondary on paper at the beginning of the year was supposed to be that strong unit. This defensive line, I mean, Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, I think he played, I think it was pro football focus, said he played 41% of the snaps, and there was only one time all of last season where he played that much. I mean, he was in the middle of that defense making a presence. Raquan Davis looked like he's taking his game to the next level. Um, it, Again, from the start of that game, they were gashing us a little bit, and I was a little bit worried. But at the end of the day, when they only rushed for 78 yards on 22 carries, I mean, you'd call that a win for sure, so... I love it, man. I love to see the way this defense is starting to form and to see the way these guys are making plays. And let's be honest, we didn't even see Trey Flowers out there. He was also inactive, and he's another veteran guy that can do a lot of things. So it's just crazy, man. You bring in some of these guys that you just kind of think is pieces. You know, they're veterans that you're just plugging positions on the roster, and they're going out there making plays like this. I mean, sign me up. I don't know – I wouldn't say they were hating, but it seemed like the the announcers were finding anything were to nitpick. They Adam were Marshall nitpicking was on terrible. the Dolphins as, as much as he as much as he could like it. And I'm fine if like a team 
a team just dis- if someone dislikes the Dolphins, but you know, I, I heard been preaching, you know, you gotta go away from Xavier Howard, you gotta attack Nick Needham, talking like this is some sort of scrub where he's one of the top slot, res- or, you know, cornerbacks in the league. And you know, it, I don't know if they weren't paying attention to the game, but they did go at Nick Needham and he allowed only three receptions for less than 40 yards. He forced an incompletion, so so that kind of caught me off guard. And one last thing, Josh, to wrap up the defense, uh, we, we gotta give an honorable mention to Duke Riley's butt, which has to be a, a top 10 coverage linebacker right in the, in the league right now yeah i mean should i make a highlight of that and like put cisco's the thong song behind it or something <laughs> or, or the part where it dumps like a truck i don't know but that play i mean i first saw it and i was like did that just hit him on the butt and then i saw people tweeting about it. i mean that was a nice uh i guess nice pass breakup but let's be honest he threw it right at his cheeks so i mean i again i like the way this defense looked man they were all playing with their hair on fire javon Holland looked like a leader out there it was i think it was early in the game man but did you see all that pre-snap motion they were doing they were disguising things they backed them out i mean there's going to be different levels to i think both the offense and defense that we have yet to see unleashed and um we're going to talk about special teams you i'll let you talk about jason sanders but let's give a, a shout out to thomas morstead i mean there were times when he had he was the right right leg of god i guess you would say i mean he was booming <laughs> punts down there you could definitely see a difference in the punting and you could definitely see a difference in the holding with jason sanders going out there and returning to form being that money sign dude that's not how often are we going to do that? Are we going to do this all year? I want to be credited at the end of the year when Jason Sanders is back being to an all pro. It has nothing to do with the holding Jason Sanders, his entire career. He sucks in odd years. He's good in even years. It's a simple science. There were 10 fourth quarter and overtime kicks missed this week, Josh. One of them, if they happened in Miami, you know what that does to momentum. None of them were by Jason Sanders. Two for two with a long of 49. This guy's going back to an all pro and it's specifically because it's an even year. Nothing else matters. I love that. Let's we'll push that agenda. But I mean, when you have a guy like Jason Sanders that can go out there and can be effective from what 49 yards, you know, when your drives do stall can go out there and almost guarantee you three points. I mean, that's part of the reason why the Dolphins could lay off the gas in the second half and kind of, you know, force Mac Jones and that offense to beat him, which they couldn't do it. So I'm elated. I'm excited for what the future brings, but the Dolphins got some very tough opponents coming up and we're really going to see, you know, how good this team is and how, Mike McDaniel can bring these guys together again when they see that adversity because he mentioned how things weren't going right. They all know that they had left plays out there, you know, to uh, Mm -hmm. Mike McDaniel with his play calling this and that. Um, Let's see how they overcome it. And big week ahead, Dolphins are 1-0, and I don't think we could ask for a better start to the season. And something just to keep an eye on, the the Dolphins used a lot of their playbook, both offensively and defensively. And I'm kind of interested to see if they start to pull things back and start to get some easier, you know, drives going because you have so many plays with Tyreek Hill, you know, doing so much dancing, whatever it may be. Uh, Baltimore's going to have a lot to prepare for. I'm very excited for that. You, you got to beat the good teams if you want to be one of the good teams. But um, we'll get more into that as the week goes on. Stay tuned. Thank you guys for joining us today on the Finsider, the Jake and Josh show. Uh, Wednesday, we'll be back. Merrick Brave will join us. I'm very, very excited for that talk. And then later on the week, we will get ready for that Baltimore matchup. But Josh, let's soak it in. The Miami Dolphins are 1-0, and we are on top of the world. We are on top of the world. And if you're not fired up, you need to check your pulse. Guys, if you like what you're listening to, follow Jake on Twitter at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. I'm at Houts for SB Nation's Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. We'll be back on Wednesday with our good pal, Merrick Bray. But until then, enjoy the victory, and most importantly, fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're 
We're the 